1993, a famous entrepreneur went back to high school to get his GED because he was worried that his success as a high school dropout might convince other teenagers to quit school. Who? Dave Thomas, founder of Wendy's. Music producer Rick Rubin held an actual funeral complete with casket and grave for the word deaf after finding out it had been accepted into the standardized dictionary. Mr. X holds a contest to find the world's strongest robot, then reprograms them so he can take over the world. And Natasha Bender hires a naval seaman to help her find her father in New Orleans. Welcome, everybody, to the Last Action Podcast. I am the Sphinx, and as always, my partner in crime, the one, the only, LPJ. Yes, I'm here. Really? That's that's not very dramatic. That's okay. You know, your weird, like, choppy intro was weird. I thought it was fantastic, but you know what? We have a fantastic guest with us today. Yeah, you heard him at the top of the show there. Sure did. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Xander. Hey, well, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Good. Thanks for being here. Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm super excited to have you here for this movie that you picked that I was mm-hmm. going to pick at some point anyway, but I'm so glad that you picked it. <laughs> Seriously, calm down with the arms. For a couple You're going to knock someone out. The first reason I'm glad you picked this movie is because it forced Sphinx to rent it. Yeah, I sure did. Which makes me happy. <laughs> How much did you pay for your rental? Just curious. Four bucks. Four bucks. Because I have to go HD. I can't go standard depth. Gotcha. Uh, the other day I asked LPJ, I was like, hey, do you guys want the login to my Voodoo account so you can watch this? You son of a And he's like, he's like, no, I like making Sphinx pay for movies I know he's going to hate. God, I hate you that both was, now. That was absolutely my response. Like with, I knew you two were having side conversations about this film we without were, me. We really were. You were the worst, both uh, of you. Whatever. We are doing hard target in case mm-hmm. we didn't say it yet. <laughs> Universal Pictures, August 20th, 1993 is when this bad boy came out. Let's go around the table. Our first experience with this film. I can go first. Please do. It was yesterday. <laughs> I paid four dollars. <laughs> I paid four three ninety nine technically to watch this movie on Amazon Prime. All right, I'm done. Who's next? Uh, I saw this movie. So I I've mentioned before my love of John Claude Van Damme. Yes, you have. And the fact that we had basically no restrictions on movies when I was younger. And. We would we would we would spend the night at each other's house, all my friends and I, and we would rent movies. Just go and rent a movie, and we would always rent, you know, usually some kind of action movie. And a lot of times it was a John Claude Van Damme movie. And this happened to be one that we rented, and I loved it from from right from the get go. I loved it, <clears throat> and then later on, really from the get go, yeah, man. Because good God, does this movie take forever to get started? <laughs> and then later on. Uh, they, I went to the Entertainment Tonight video store. Mm. I used to work there. This is before I worked there. Actually, not that much long, not not 
it was shortly thereafter I started working there. Hey, did you work there? I did. I worked there. Oh. And they had this giant, do you remember the giant gumball machine? Yeah. Do you remember the giant? Yes. You, okay. So the giant, huge. And by giant, I mean, it was literally, it was an eight foot tall gumball machine, probably six feet around. I mean, it was huge. Yeah, but it's not, it's not giant like the ones at Family Video you walk into where that's like, you know, five feet tall. Yeah. No. This, this one was, was actually gigantic. This was huge. This was like the elephantitis of the, of mm-hmm. the gumball machine. It was gigantic. Elephantitis of the gumball machine? Just go with it. <laughs> All right, keep going. And so you would you would put your quarter in, and you would either get a gumball, or you would get a little plastic container that had a, a ticket for a prize in it. Yeah, like a free rental or something, right? Sure. Free rental. <laughs> so <laughs> what, put, what did Entertainment Tonight put in there? Thanks. So I put my quarter in, and I won a prize, and I open it up, and it says, hard target clock. <laughs> I'm like... What does that even mean? Those words don't go together. <laughs> so I walk up to the counter and I say, I don't know what this is. It says hard target clock. She's like, I don't know what that means either. <laughs> so she goes to the back and she finds she finds the boss, Bill, Bill Weaver. And Bill walks out and he has a big smile on his face. I can't figure out. Like it's this big dopey smile on his face. And it's the weirdest, weirdest thing I've ever seen. This this guy's smile. <laughs> He's going to kidnap you, isn't he? And I see He's going to give you the keys <laughs> to entertainment tonight. You're the new see, owner. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. Except you stole fizzy lifting drinks. <laughs> now the ball pit needs to be cleaned. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have a story about the cotton candy oh, God. oh, God. <clears throat> so he walks out with this box, and he, with this dumb grin on his face, he opens it up, and inside is literally a round analog clock, approximately the size of... Like a, it, it was about fourteen inches round, like a like a like a medium or large pizza, mm-hmm. and it had concentric circles in it, like a target, and it said a hard target on it. It was a hard target clock, literally a hard target clock. And for Halloween, my friend's brother wore it around his neck like Flava Flav, nice. <laughs> and it broke while he was wearing it. Aww. And he stops what he's doing and he looks at me and he goes, "My clock." Has run out of tack. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how my hard target clock broke. <laughs> so that's your first experience with the hard target <laughs> clock. What about the movie? Yeah. yeah none, of this, the movie. none of this talked about the movie. I you just, just talked about a clock. Well, I just love the clock and, and also the movie. I'm just saying the clock was part of my experience seeing this movie. I should always be just a little bit worried when I'm on an episode with LPJ and ask him about previous employment experience. Uh-huh. True it's just that. Not, it's not going to go well for you. It really isn't. True that. Luckily, he doesn't have a Hamburglar shirt on right now. Currently, no. <laughs> he might have it on underneath the Triforce. We we'll see. It's just tattooed there, just exactly. ready for me. The exactly. mouth is my belly button. Fair enough. All right, we got to move this on. This is going to be bad. (laughs) All right, Xander, what's your experience? So my experience with this movie, um, I had no idea it existed until about 10 years after it came out. Um, Some friends and I, we worked at uh, at Little Caesars, and uh, we just always, it was like one of those situations where it was a job where you felt bad calling in because you were screwing over every single one of your friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But after the store closed, we would get together and we would play Hard Target. I had no idea this was a thing at the time. Like I didn't again, didn't know the movie was a thing. Mm-hmm. But we would we would gather around at a friend's house who lived behind uh, the Little Caesars, and we would pick um, one person to be God, and they would take two or three people, depending on how many people we had around that night. We would blindfold them, put them in the back of a car. <laughs> oh my god! And then God, quote unquote, would find a neighborhood in the area, drop them off somewhere random, 
and then and then come back to where everybody else was gathered. Once he was back with everybody else, they would call the the runners and say, "This is this is where you are. These are your boundaries, and this is your this is your destination. If you can get to your destination, you win." And then it was basically just a game of tag. After that, we all knew the boundary, so we would choose like a like a block, like a neighborhood block. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we would do like, okay, so you you are in the the state streets around here in in local in Livonia. So your mm-hmm. your uh, um, perimeter is Farmington to Middlebelt to Joy, you know, whatever roads were there. And the only person who knew where the drop-off point was God, and they would take other people in their car, but you couldn't camp the that spot. You couldn't camp the destination. You just had to literally search for these people in the middle of the night before they could get to the destination. And we played that so much. And eventually we went to, a friend of mine went to Entertainment Tonight and found Hard Target VHS on sale. And I was like, I have to buy this movie. Yeah. And I watched it. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. It's not bad. But then it just kind of it went from there. So the, yeah, you the kind of figured out the what the game actual was, game of hard yeah. target is what we played before I even knew it was a movie. Yeah. Did you guys get arrested at any point? We got pulled over by the cops quite a bit, but when nobody ever got arrested, it was always a matter of the cops just being like, we got it. We got some complaints of people like running <laughs> around the neighborhood because you would have to like duck. You'd have to hide behind trees, duck next to cars. If you, if you thought somebody was coming. Yeah. It was always just a matter of, of trying to figure out like, how can I convince the, the, these people that are driving who might be my friends looking for me? that I'm not who I am and I'm just trying to get to where I need to go. So one time uh, I was dropped off in the state streets. My destination was the the Rite Aid right where uh, entertainment and I used to be. And my thought was, I'm, I mean, I've always been a heavy set guy. I was like, no one's going to suspect me of being a dude without a shirt on jogging. I'm going to take my shirt off and jog to, to Rite Aid. <laughs> and I uh, I think they, they found me right because once you get on the, the lit side streets, you know, yeah. that, that uh, the jig was up. But I tried my damnedest. But that was our game. Every we play usually at least once a week for a couple months until it, it got to the point where the cops would pull us over and say, like, oh, "You guys got to break this up. We're getting too many complaints about it." And we had a rule: you couldn't go in backyards. Uh, you could hop. You couldn't hop fences and stuff like that. But you know, I am happy this is the way that it actually went. Because when you first said you played a game called Hard Target, no, we didn't, I was we wondering didn't how many. Fr- I was wondering how many friends you had left. <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> I know, right? I've wanted that to get this game awesome. going again so many times, but now that I'm old and have kids and responsibilities, I can't do it so much, but there's got to be a way. Like and you Grand might- Theft Auto Online <laughs> has to have some sort of side mode that we can all just play online and do this. I just want to drop Sphinx off in the woods somewhere. Right? Well, we go. At our age now, we probably would be arrested yeah, we for probably, doing yeah. this. <laughs> like, we're, we're just, uh, you know, just a bunch of dudes in our 30s just uh, playing hide and seek with our friends, basically. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Get yeah. in the car. Yeah, we got to get you off the street now. <laughs> but we were all like 18 to, I think the oldest one around us was 24 at the time. Yeah. That's I awesome. love that story. Yeah, that is pretty sweet. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I love that story. Uh, so, right? And that's why I want to. Like, the more I'm thinking about it, the more ridiculous. It's like a roadhouse like level kid. of ridiculous. It's like a kidnapped, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like that, except a little bit more intense. Yeah. So that's fantastic. It is awesome. Yeah. So when when you guys started doing the podcast, it's like, oh, if I don't go on the show, like, what episode, what movie can I talk about? And Hard Target's not like an all time favorite of mine by any means, but I knew I had that story. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> it is fabulous. This movie is directed by an individual that LPJ, I'm convinced, is in love with, actually. Like, I think if you ever met John Woo, I think you'd lose your shit. I think, like, we, we've we only done, like, 15 episodes, and I feel like a third of our movies are John Woo movies. <laughs> well, this is our third John Woo movie. Yeah, we've it done, is. We've done Broken Arrow. Mm-hmm. 
We did uh, the killer. The killer. And then this one. Yeah. And I can guarantee you Hard Boiled is going to be down the line. And I can guarantee you Face Off will be oh, one, face too. Oh, Face Off. Yep, Face Off because, will be in there. Because that that's Roadhouse Ridiculous right it there. It is Roadhouse Ridiculous. And we should, now that I'm thinking about it, we should do a, uh, a crossover episode with Stranglehold. Stranglehold. The John Woo video game. Oh, I forgot all about that. That was like a pseudo sequel to Hard Boiled. Yeah. Oh, shit. And it wasn't that bad of a game. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Patreon. <laughs> Amazing. Woo... Did this movie after Hard Boiled? He did. He went to the states. He needed a new scene, you can say. Universal picks him up to to do this film, um, and when the producer James Jacks had to convince Universal this guy can do this on his own. You know, like he is big name Hong Kong director, great action movie guy. Like he can do this. However, Universal still didn't fully trust the producer and did bring on Sam, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi, exactly. Yeah, brought on Renaissance Pictures and brought in Sam Raimi yeah. and Rob Tappert to help produce and yeah. then also brought in Sam Raimi to help uh, uh, Take care guide of things John if Woo. you messed it all up. Exactly. <laughs> and Jim Jacks, I wanted to bring this up just real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Jacks is a, f- he's a famous producer. Oh, yeah. But... He's a real champion of people of newer directors. Like he's the guy that helped get Kevin Smith mm-hmm. Mallrats made. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's kind of that's kind of Jim Jacks's thing. Is he really he's really good about um, helping these younger directors get their for their first film kind of made and in the door, the first big film made and in the, and, and kind of get their foot in the door. Yeah. They they gave Wu a bunch of screenplays to look at, and he got to choose which one he wanted to do. He goes with Hard Target. He did pass up on Face Off actually. And he obviously saves that a couple years later. Um, he wanted, like, he thought that was too sci-fi-y at the time. Like, he wanted something a little bit more gritty, which obviously this movie is. So he ends up going with uh, with Hard Target here. And so as you said, yeah, Jim Jacks produces this with Sean Daniel, which, I mean, that's four first names right there. Jim, Jacks, Sean, Daniel. Amazing. You don't care so much. All right, cool. I was going to say that Jax isn't necessarily a... I'm, I mean... Well, he's yeah, a Mortal Kombat yeah, character. Yeah, but well, that's, that's his last name. And that's his last name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's true. And then Sons of Anarchy, Jackson Teller is Jax. Yeah. But again, J-A-X. Yeah. I, I mean, the two have worked together on a ton of these, you know, on a ton of movies. Like, the two are very well together. The The Mummy series, Scorpion mm-hmm. King series, you mentioned Mallrats, Tombstone, Days of Confused. Um, you know, wide range of, of different um, genres as well. So... They definitely work together quite often, and this is kind of in the middle of their deal, or I guess maybe more in the beginning of their careers, I would say, sort of, right? 93? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Uh, the film is written by Chuck Fair, mm-hmm. who he, also plays Doug Bender in the movie. He sure does, yes, right? Does. That's great. So he, yeah, he plays one of only two acting roles that guy ever had. Yeah. He, what was the other one? Uh, some something really random. I don't. I looked it up, but it didn't stick with me. It wasn't anything that I would say. Oh, this thing, and you would know. Okay, I can't remember either. He was an actual Navy SEAL, and so he's also credited for writing the movie Navy SEALs. And then his other big one is Dark Man, um, that he wrote too. Another Sam Raimi movie. Yep. And so he bases this movie off of a film from the 1930s. Which is what I, I immediately thought of it when I was watching this film and, and assumed that was the case. And then it was kind of confirmed when I was doing my research. And that's the most dangerous game, which is where you're, you know, you're hunting man. Mm-hmm. And that's 
pretty much what this movie is about, you know? So he, he wanted to kind of fit that, you know, like a more recent version of, of that film from the 1930s. You know, I remember watching that film in eighth grade. Doesn't that seem bizarre to the watch that in middle game? The most dangerous game. I don't think I watched the movie. I think because it's also a book. It yes. is also yeah, a book. So I think we read the book or talked about it at the very least. It wasn't the first time I'd, I'd heard that story. Yeah. I I mean, you guys all went to Emerson, right? Here mm-hmm. in Livonia? No, I went to Frost. Oh, really? All right. I mean, I think, yeah, I can guarantee with a couple of friends of mine, I think you're right. We read the book and then we watched the movie afterwards. Mm-hmm. And looking back on that, like as an eighth grader, I'm learning about the most dangerous game. That's pretty intense. But, you know, whatever. As we have mentioned, I had seen way worse films at mm-hmm. that point in eighth grade anyway. So good stuff there. Going through our cast list. Is it uh, is it Sean Cloud Venn diagram? Yes, is that, is that right? Yes. yes, it's Sean Cloud Venn diagram. All right, I, I yep. thought that's what it was, but <laughs> what's guys, his what's his real name? You guys are jerks. What's his you real should, name? If you no, cannot, no, now I want to hear you no, say you know it correctly. Our our listeners can't see you two, but you are. I can see it in your eyes. You are just waiting for my slip up. Yep, hundred percent. Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, all right, got right, it. Yeah, That's fine. yeah. Thank you. So we should have had him in the chat earlier. We should have just <laughs> we should have just left him out. <laughs> yeah, douches. <laughs> he is Chance Boudreaux. What kind of name I is know, Chance? I, I don't Mama know. Mama took one. Mama took one. That was a good terrible I love French that accent. Line. Yes. <laughs> well, this movie's got at least two <laughs> terrible French accents. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> at least. Uh, oh God, Wilfred uh, Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> Uh, Damn it, LPJ. I've got the diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Wilford Brimley. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, why not? <laughs> In this movie? Wow. <laughs> to play Uncle Duvet. <laughs> right? Like, why is Wilford Brimley in this movie? Because he looks like a crazy old moonshiner, I guess. Hello, I've got diabetes, but I'm also going to kick some ass with John I've Claude got diabetes, but I also can fire this bow and arrow. While riding on a horse. We kill everybody what not chance. <laughs> Actually, that was better than his. That, was yeah, was. that wasn't too bad. Oh, God. All right. We're not there yet. Um, <clears throat> Kurt Russell was considered mm-hmm. to, to play chance. Um Jean Claude did it way better. I don't think I don't think Kurt could have done it. Well, I think a lot of the movie was rewritten because it was Jean Claude Van Damme. They probably wouldn't have done it in New Orleans, you know, with French, no. you know, Actually, references. So they did it. They did it in New Orleans uh, to kind of make up for his for Jean Claude Van Damme's oh, right. accent, uh, as well as John Woo just loving westerns and wanted to make it more of a western. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then a lot of the a lot of the uh, so once John Woo met Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, JCVD, we're just going to call him. Yeah, because it's easier. Uh, he realized that JCVD was much more athletic and able to do a lot more. So they ramped up all of the action scenes, Mm -hmm. uh, and made them and and expanded them because JCVD could do all of those things. That, you know, what would be worse getting roundhouse kicked by Jean-Claude Van Damme or getting a fist by Mike Tyson? I feel like you watch it in this film and those kicks he's got is like, how are these people not dead? He has a better kick than anybody. Like Chuck Norris would Chuck be Norris. the next closest, mm-hmm. but I, I think, yeah, I think Van Damme 
fucking could kill someone with that thing. Probably. Yeah, I loved in the his his intro like fight scene how he's got that duster on and pushes it to the side and you're expecting it to be a gun and there's nothing there and then he just like <laughs> it's just kicks both of them without bringing his foot down. And so many times in the film the kick really isn't necessary. Oh but, no. But he does it just to do it. It's so like <laughs> just, Oh, there's one of, scene he shoots this guy twice in the chest and then kicks him in the face <laughs> to knock him over. Yes. Yeah. This whole movie, it felt like, okay, Jean-Claude, we need to use guns. And he's like, no, I'm going to use feet. Is yeah, but, okay? the, but the script I, says, no, I'm going to kick him. I, I use the gun, but then I uh, want to kick too. I'm Let Wil- me kick. <laughs> I'm Wilford. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I can. I was going to make some joke where he was going to order Jean-Claude to roundhouse kick a whole bunch of people because he's got diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you? Right? Why wouldn't you do that? Why is he in this movie? Please give me an answer. So, I told you. So he the, looks villain, like a- <laughs> the villain of this movie. His, yeah. French, his French accent is the absolute worst, too. No, it's, yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's really bad. It's really bad. All right. And it comes and goes. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Mostly there goes. Are, <laughs> and then when, when his fat ass is riding that horse. <laughs> I, I can't. Was Hard Target your favorite comedy this year? It might have been. Like, I never would have imagined Wilford Brimley riding a horse, like, dressed like that. Like, I know he's in Walker, Texas Ranger. You know, maybe he rode a horse in that movie, in that TV show. I don't remember. But it's just so funny when you see him leaving his house on that horse. Wilfred Rimley's in maybe the last 20 minutes of this movie, <laughs> and Sphinx has made everyone believe he's the star. Yeah. When, when I saw his name in the credits in the beginning, I kept waiting for Wilfred Brimley. Like, whenever I saw a fat guy, like the the one guy that's selling, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I was hoping that was Is Wilford. that young Wilfred Brimley? <laughs> right. I kept trying to hope that it was going to be him, and then he, he popped up at a great point, so it was okay. All right. Let me, let me keep going. I'm sorry. My eyes. So are, Lance Hendrickson. Eyes, yes. yes. I'll Thank take you. over for you for right now. Thank you. I need to. I need some water. Take a break. Take a hey, break. Take your insulin shot, my friend. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> so Lance Hendrickson is the bad guy in this. Uh, I I love Lance Hendrickson. He's in. He was a big fan of John Woo films. Um, he's great. He's a, he's a great character. What else is he villain. in? I I mean his face no, looks familiar, but I just didn't really. Yeah, I couldn't place what else I've seen him in. Well, he's in. He's Bishop in Aliens. He's in... Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. He's... Uh, let me pull it up, just so I make sure I get it correctly. Silence in the podcast. <laughs> well, I really, I I really wanted to well, do another that, Wilford Brimley, but I know it's getting a little ridiculous now. Just just hold on to it a little bit, and then, <laughs> I, exactly. and then we'll bring him back, just like the I, movie did, right, a, I, right yeah. towards the end, <laughs> and right. it'll be funny again. I needed, I need, we needed filler, so I was going to go... We um, always, always bring up, uh, what is it, Arnold Vosloo was uh, Van Cleef? Yes, Van Cleef, which he's pretty badass. I like him in this film. So I, Arnold Vosloo has the weirdest accent. Yeah, what is it? It he's, sounds like I Eastern looked, European. No, I looked it up. He's South African and Dutch. So he's All got right. a that's actually not no, of South African and Dutch. But South Africa has Dutch, so that actually makes sense. He sound he sounded menacing. It worked. Yeah. Oh yeah, and yeah. he's he, he uh, was in a lot of a lot of uh, Universal Pictures with all the Mummy movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yancy Butler was the girl. Natasha Nat uh, Nat ben, uh, yeah. Bender as well. 
Uh, Cassie Lemons is Mae Mitchell, the detective, which I feel so bad for that yeah, detective. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I have... I she, need to she bring, had it rough. I need to bring this up, just because if I don't, I'm going to... Somebody's going to text me and say why I didn't bring this up. I have a weird hatred for Yancey Butler. Is she in other things? She's yeah, in a couple she's, other things. Yeah, she's like, she? she was like in the Witchblade TV series, and yeah, that she was been. terrible in that. And okay. for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. Yancey Butler rubs me the wrong way. Is it I, her eyebrows? Because they're it intense. It could be that. It could be her weird, like deep voice. I don't know. There's something about Yancey Butler that I've always hated, and I saw her outside of Motor City Comic Con once smoking, and she looked like somebody that smelled bad. <laughs> She just looked like she smelled bad. And I'm sure she's a lovely person. Yeah. A little bit of an odor coming off that picture. I can't even look at her. I can't the picture makes her look smelly. She was in the kick ass movies. Yeah. Did you notice that um the car that she drove in, that Camaro was where it was from? Yeah, it's from Michigan. Michigan. She lived in Detroit. Yeah. Yep. I actually have her street address. It's uh it's not an actual address, of course. But uh, I, I when did she give her address? She didn't. Uh, it was actually she wrote letters to her dad. And when uh, um. when Elijah hands her the, the the stack, I just real quick paused it because I was also watching in HD that I didn't have to pay for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that reminder. Yeah. Uh, and saw that. Uh, where is it? Twenty six oh five Cedar Street in Detroit. There is no Cedar Street in Detroit. Did they have a zip code at least? Nope. No. There was no zip code for for that or uh, the father who lived on Magazine Street. Yeah, Fine. that's. I mean, that's clearly a, a Sam Raimi. Uh, yeah, Sam Raimi thing. Putting the Michigan was that the, was there. was her car? This no, it was a convertible. I was wondering yeah. if that because he has that trademark of putting that same car. Yeah, in every, no, it, w- it wasn't the old. Yeah, it was an '80s Camaro because my grandfather actually had one of those. That's so. kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool. Well, wow, so we're 25 minutes in, haven't gotten past the cast <clears throat> yet. That's okay, <laughs> but I mean. Um, Wilford Brimley has already okay. been covered, so we're we're good. I guess Willie Carpenter was the last person I wrote down because okay. he's Roper. He's one of the other homeless guys, mm-hmm. and he also faces an unfortunate end in this movie too. Um, I mean, I'm ready to start going through the film. If you guys are sure, all right. So we we do start this movie off with a great chase scene. Um, you're you're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, you know, they're in New Orleans. You can tell instantly with the the buildings of the French Quarter and all mm-hmm. that. Um, they soon start to move into the outskirts. You know, there's there's two things that, that shout John Woo, like, from the beginning. Number one, it's that steel arrow that gets shown over and over mm-hmm. and over again, that same scene. And then it is the fucking slow motion scenes in so this much movie. This, I kept writing it down in my notes how many times it happened. It th- is way too much. This movie would be 30 minutes shorter it's true. if the slow motion was taken out. And it's only 90 minutes to begin with. And it was cut down too. Like uh, the, the original John Woo cut was over two hours long and he had to cut so many different like there was a love scene between that and, uh, and Chance that was is just missing. That's okay. Like, it's because he couldn't get an R rating. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. It, had, it actually it had took to take him this 20 t- rewrites, 20 yeah, edits. Yeah, to, I to think it, it was, uh, what, seven times it got brought up to uh, yeah. the MPAA before they finally said, okay. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't Those slow motions are crazy. So we, we find out that um, they're chasing this guy. He gets shot and killed. We don't know why. You know, the arrow goes through the dog tags, so you realize it's like a military guy, and that is a big foreshadow for how things get figured out later on. Yeah, Lance Henriksen's character, uh, Fushan, was it? 
Yeah, is yeah. that how you pronounce? Yep, Fushan. He tell he tells the uh, one of the guys like if he makes it to the river, he wins. So we can't let that happen. Which he does make it to the river. He, yeah, you could technically say he. I mean, he falls in the river before he's he's shot yeah, dead, but. right? And then they and then it's actually it's not the guy. Well, I guess we don't know who is the guy that paid the money because the arrow guy ends up killing him. But in the process, they're they're machine gunning him. The yeah. fucking grenade launcher goes off that blows up the house. And yeah. and of all the modern weapons, it's an arrow. Well, the- everybody, it's it's told later that everybody gets to pick their their weapon. Yeah, but I guess we don't know though. Was it the guy with the arrow? Yeah, that that's got the guy, to choose yeah. the death, but yeah, but he does guy. show up later. Yeah, because because uh, Fushan actually oh, right. he, he rounds he everyone calls, up. He's like some of right. the greatest hunters. He's like you're all going to pay a little bit more, and if you win, you get something. I don't remember what it, it was. was. Money, I think. But yeah, you're right. You're right. So then the daughter comes in, and he's look. She's looking for the guy that we see get killed. You mm-hmm. know, she ends up being, um, you know, Doug Bender's um, daughter. We find out he's in the Marines. We've got he. She goes into this restaurant, pulls out. Well, oh, she goes to his, his last known residence first, and meets that's with true. the. He meets with the with old Marie, lady. I think is the, the lady's name. Yeah, says he's not been around, and said he gave me this, saying that you know he would he would pay me back when he got back on his feet, and hasn't seen him in a while. Yeah. Then he then she goes to this restaurant, pulls out a wad of money. Oh, a big wad of money for, for everyone to see, which it is really a huge. Look like that big of a it wad doesn't of look money. like that until you realize how many one hundreds she's fanning over. Like oh, I was like, why is there so many tens in this? Yeah. Stack? <laughs> and then like the last three bills that you see are, are all one hundreds, and then I'm sure there are more underneath that. Okay, I didn't see that part. Yeah. It was just dumb move and Jean-Claude even tells her like you're a bonehead for doing this but he's nice enough that he kind of follows her a little bit to see what she's up oh, to no, he straight up leaves he does but he yeah. knew what was going to happen he knew what was going to happen but yeah. yeah he does that the another John Woo trope of, of looking in the reflection and seeing the bad guys yeah there's like five shots of oh that. yeah all yeah. over. There's doves everywhere. People yep. diving with two Unnecessary guns. Unnecessary dove is he's just standing in the doorway and one like breaks into his mouth oh, and yeah. flies around for a second. Lots of doves. This might be the most John Woo movie I've seen. I, I don't know. The killer was, killer was, was, pretty, John was pretty John <laughs> Woo, right. man. It was pretty John Woo. So, you know, he ends up, the, the, the thugs come to her in her car. You know, like they slam her into the car or whatever, and, and he has the showdown Mexican standoff again, classic mm-hmm. John Woo. And, you know, we talked about earlier, he, he's roundhouse kicking the hell out of these guys, you know, just going to town all slow motion. Tells him um, to take his pig stick and his boyfriend and get down here. <laughs> that's right. Take that's the exactly pig stick right. and, and your boyfriend. <laughs> and then we get that 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 guitar twangy music. Oh yes, which which does like the saving grace of the first half of this movie. <laughs> exactly because I gotta say, like again, this was my first time seeing this. Man, does it take a while for this movie to get started? But during that first fighting scene, we get that guitar twang, which again, <laughs> all right, oh, sure, just cut me off. Thanks, LPJ. Jeez. Keep talking. Let's keep this on the background. I mean, this is, you know, he he's always going for that Western feel. So this is 100% John Woo and what he's looking for here. So he John, round cows kicking people. Oh, yeah. Just fucking destroys everybody. And so we then then he kind of leaves. You're right. You know, he gives the girl crap and, and, and goes away. She goes to the police station, meets up with uh, the detective. Mm-hmm. Who's who celebrating her birthday by herself because there's a police strike. That's exactly right. Without the cops, the city stops. And apparently she felt it was a good idea to put the burning birthday cake inside her, her desk mm-hmm. uh, drawer, which... It didn't really cause any damage. Yeah. She opened it up and there's just smoke. Yeah. Yeah. She could have burnt the damn place down, though. 
that candle also burnt down or melted down way faster than it probably should have. Oh, yeah. There was nothing left of that. Do you know who can't eat that cake? Wilford Brimley, <laughs> because he's got diabetes. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. You, guys you know who else probably wouldn't eat that cake? Who? Dave Thomas, founder of Wendy's. No. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> All right. So... They file the report, which actually doesn't get filed because he's homeless, and she's like, I can't help you. In order to be missing, you have to have somewhere to be missing from. That's exactly right. So, luckily, though, you know, she's getting in her car, and there's this dramatic scene with a bunch of oil barrels that lift up, and then... Oh, she goes, she goes to the... She hunts down Chance. Oh, you're right. She hunts down Chance. At the docks. That's when he comes... When, when he decides to accept the job, no, the oil barrel... The yeah, oil so happen. here's the thing. Does she meet up with Elijah Roper... Yes. I yeah. don't remember that scene. Even she, though I watched it, it I rewatched it again last <laughs> night. It's when she's first it's it's after she leaves the old lady house, you know, she kind of gets okay. the idea that he became homeless. And so he start she starts walking around and it's like that weird like plaza concrete area yeah. that, you know, he he's there and she just flat okay. out asks the guy closest to her. It's like that who ends up being Roper. shelter that he, he yeah. You know, that yeah, because they, they yeah, end up going back. Yeah, because so, she says check the missions, and yeah. that's where they are. It's so a mission. I, I guess it's assumed that she meets up with him, and then he tells her where they can find Chance, because she goes and, and hunts him down. He's trying to get a job on a ship. Yeah. Yeah, because if you remember, Chance himself is surprised that she knows Roper. Yeah. You know, a little bit later on. So, yeah, but Chance is trying to, to get a job to get back on a ship. Yep, because she offers him $100 a day, and does it matter if, if for $100 a day? Yeah, because we find out he's also ex-Navy, mm-hmm. you know, and as was the father, and as is Roper, right? You know, or he's ex-Army or Marine or something like that. He was so, a Marine. Yeah, I don't recall. <clears throat> I don't remember either. But it, you know, it's somewhat important to this otherwise And it could have been more important if they, if they played it up a little bit more. Like, there were so many, yeah. so many things that could have been expanded on, which would have made the movie make a lot more sense. But, yeah. you know, if you think about it, it's really good. It's kind of like... Uh, like Tess said with Boondock Saints, if you know the backstory, this movie's really, really good. <laughs> if you fill in your own if backstory. You, <laughs> well, so, yeah. So, so um, Chance takes the job, mm-hmm. you know, because he finds out he can't even get on a ship until the end of yeah, the week he, anyway. He owes, he owes dues. Exactly. So he just kind of sits in the car and they start. Because he doesn't have a driver's license. That's right. They start <laughs> going around drive. town I trying to. <laughs> Why does she just immediately ask Trust him to drive? Trust this homeless man? Because she because she knows that he knows the way around around the city. So rather than like, you give me direction, why don't you just drive? Because why wouldn't this dude have a driver's license? They meet up <laughs> with Randall. Right? Good old big man Randall. Randall Poe. Yep. Well, they actually they go to Roper first. Yeah, they go to Roper and they yeah, find and, Roper, they, and find, they find the flyers. Yeah, I, we're gonna actually go through every fine detail of this movie. Well, you're, you're kind of skipping over like, wow, yeah. well, how do they they meet up with Randall? Like that's an old friend uh, of I'm his. I'm just saying we're 35 minutes in. I, I just want to make sure we Listen, get through. You're trying all this. to make this plot make even less sense. I'm trying to help people who may not have seen this movie understand what's happening. So they go to Randall. Ra- <laughs> you know, what? I'm letting Randall you two take fi- over. Okay. Yeah. Randall finds over. Right. Randall finds his uh, shopping cart mm-hmm. based on the the sleeping bag that he has in there. Uh, there's a bunch of nudie, uh, yep, nudie flyers, flyers phone in sex there. flyers, phone sex flyers, and so they go back to the source of the this phone is, sex uh, flyers. Yeah, don't be embarrassed. We all we've all had to do this for money every now and then, and they, that's how they know who to go talk to. Yeah. So they go to they go to what is his name Roper? Uh, Poe. Poe. They go to Poe. And uh, Poe's like, yeah, I never heard of this guy. 
So he lies to him. And uh, and then right after that, what, what happens? Chance right knows that he's lying to yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, well, you guys said you got this. So, so they, during their meeting with Poe, um, Van Cleef walks in. That's right. Arnold Vosley. Man, him and Lance Henriksen are great in this. Yeah. They're, they they're, are really good. They uh, was John Woo said that they he was bummed that they, they didn't do another movie because they had such great chemistry together. They did. They really did. Yeah. He Van Gogh's his ass. Yep. yep. Chops his ear right off. Yep. And gives him a warning like, this can't happen again. You know, I don't want, you know, I don't want Chance creeping around on yeah, what's going it's, on. It's found out, obviously, that... Uh, Nat is looking for him. He said, "You you told us this guy didn't have any any family, that no one to care about him, and and the guy who was supposed to be sent to him uh, wasn't able to for whatever reason. So they sent him Bender." And exactly, yeah. Um, we then start to find out that there's a little bit more to what's going on here because the coroner immediately said that you know Bender died in a fire. Right. But yeah. So the the detective meets back up with him and exactly. says, "Hey, we found we found his body." Yeah. And yeah, they give well, him they well, give him the file. Yeah. And, and Jean Claude Van Damme ends up going to the fire and finds that dog tag with well, the, with the yeah. Hole he on sees it. the the dog tag. He's like, "It's weird that there's only one." So he goes and, and inspects it, and that's when Van Cleef's dudes come and rough him up. It's weird that the exactly. police wouldn't find the second one anyway. Yeah, it's, yeah, the, yeah. Because he, really, he doesn't really, really search that to thoroughly. Be, to be fair, the cops are on strike. <laughs> that <laughs> and this one woman who clearly isn't too interested, in, <laughs> even though her her little plaque on the wall says it's not the time you put in, it's what you do with the time or something like that. Fair enough. Okay. She just wanted to blow out those I'll birthday candles. Yeah. So she might have been like, oh, one dog tag. That makes sense. All right. Fair enough. No, it didn't make any sense at all. Then, though, we we really find out what this is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Because there becomes a scene where a guy is talking to the two villains yeah. about wanting to pay money to, to kill a guy. Yeah, Fushan runs a business where uh, the wealthy can pay a, a good amount of money. and um, $500,000. Yeah, 500000 half a million. And uh, then they're, they're hunting man, the, the, the greatest prey. Yep. They, he picks Roper. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the black homeless guy that was helping out the yeah, daughter. Combat experience. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And he's got that military Doesn't experience. Doesn't have anybody to care make for. Making more fun. And then we also find out that the two villains go to the doctor, the coroner's house. Yeah, the, and because he the, coroner's burning. On the, the coroner's on the payroll. Exactly. He starts burning after, all these documents because he realizes, oh, the detective is yeah. on to us. Yeah, because Van Dam showed the the dog tag and then she's like hey i'm gonna order and that was another weird thing is like there was no history of, of animosity or the coroner supposedly not doing his job yeah she just all of a sudden goes in and is like you're gonna redo this or i'm gonna do the hard way like why so aggressive lady like there's no background here well and not only that why would she ask the same coroner to do to redo his work yeah there's like that doesn't seem like real protocol at all you would definitely get someone else to look into sure. that, right yeah, there's a lot of so, weird loopholes like that in this movie, though. There but. are. And so to close the loophole of the coroner, the, yeah, the guys shoot him right through the peephole yep, of his own no house. no damage to the door whatsoever. None whatsoever. Well, it was, it was silenced, though, you know. Yeah, it was silenced. Well, I guess that's how it works. And so. somehow blood splattered way, way back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like in the painting in the background in the hallway or whatever. I love that he's uh, Fushan holds the uh, letter opener and then wipes wipes the fingerprints off while still holding it with his bare uh-huh. hand. I yeah. saw that. <laughs> Which was that the backup weapon? If the gun somehow didn't work, I guess it was to to <laughs> to intimidate to lower uh, his guard for someone being at the front door. Like, oh, this guy's gonna kill me with the letter opener. I'm real nervous about that. Oh, someone's at the door. Why don't you go get it? And you get shot through the people. <laughs> Why did they just wear gloves? I don't know. 
apparently they weren't concerned. We then have the scene that starts at the roundhouse with the trains. Roper thinks he's going to get paid a whole bunch of money $10, to do a job. Yep. Now that actually goes into uh, I prepared a pop quiz for you guys. Ooh. Oh, well, in that case, here we go. Allow me. Don't screw it up. Pop quiz, hot shot. So this movie obviously takes place in 1993. He's offered ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. How much do you think that's worth nowadays? All right, I am an economics teacher. I should have maybe a close idea here. Ten thousand dollars in 1993. I'm going to so say twenty five years have passed. I'm going to say it's probably about twenty five thousand thirty grand. You got a guess? I'll say I'll say fifty fifty grand. Seventeen thousand three hundred and seventy-three dollars. Right. Well, at least I was closer. Yeah. I, well, you still went over, so I did still go over. Price but is like, right. Rules. I've yeah. lost. But he's like, he tells him, was like, this could, this could change your life. You're right. gonna, you're gonna be respected again. And I'm like, you it for ten thousand? You like, just got paid <laughs> half a million dollars to set this up. You yeah. couldn't give the guy you're gonna end up killing anyway. Like, you couldn't give him like a hundred grand. Like, yeah. sure, that could start like, your life. Yeah, off. that would be yeah, <laughs> ten grand. Like, if I was Roper and homeless, I'm like ten grand, and I don't know what the hell you're about to have me do. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm not doing this. But all you got to do is make it to the river. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Yeah. Don't worry about anything else. That's cool. Like he should have, right? He should have figured something was up. But well, he, he does as soon as Homeboy rolls out of that car and, and oh, yeah, lights up the sniper rifle. Right. Yeah. As soon as eight people show up and then, yeah, the guy's got a sniper rifle that's the size of his body. And then he's <laughs> like, oh, fuck, I'm dead. Yeah. So, and, and it is a great chase. Yeah. You know, they're they're going through the, the cemetery, which is kind of cool. This is maybe one of my m- more favorite, like, like not funny like serious scenes because i kind of like the humanity in the guy that's kind of like like once he shoots him oh yeah he's like you know what i don't i don't i don't, I don't want him he's wounded yeah i, I don't want to do this like he kind of realizes shit this is kind of real and they want me to kill the guy well, was it that was it that it hit him that how real it was or what he's like oh i don't want to hunt him anymore now that he's he's wounded and it's not going to be as, as thrilling oh i took it that i, I kind of felt he wanted the clean kill oh that's interesting i didn't think of it that way i yeah, thought I it was that more that he was like he's oh regrets yeah, yeah. Like, he was oh, regretting that he was about to kill that, that guy. he says like i don't want him anymore he's wounded made me think is that's why he was bombed and he didn't he wanted the clean kill i guess him saying that makes it feel that way but the way that he acted made me feel like he was more was like excuse yeah and so it's an intense scene too when when roper does take the sniper rifle from him and shoots the shit out of him yeah um and then uh i keep blanking on the black guy's name not Van- yeah wilbur thank you um ends up shooting him because he's like hey i got an image to maintain here i got a business to run you can't do this. Oh, you Fushan. Know? I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought Fushan. you were sorry. Sorry. He's like, you know, for my men, they need to see that I'm strong. And he ends up blowing them away mm-hmm. to, to make it final. And then they need to get rid of him, you know, Roper. Yeah. And so, you know, we find out, which is not a scene that I like right afterwards, is like he's like roaming around the French Quarter. You know, I've never been to New Orleans. I would love to go one day. But he's like in the prime touristy area. He's running around trying to ask people for help. Really? Nobody is going to help this guy. Like, you can tell he's got, like, military garb on, even if he's a homeless guy. Like, wouldn't someone? And you're talking about French Quarter, middle of the night. Where are the police? There is on no strike. police. Oh, you're right. <laughs> you're well, right. That, there's, 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 it, it, even says, so maybe that's why it worked. Yeah, that's uh, Fushan even mentions in his interview with the guy who's supposed to be hunting, he's like, there's always some sad corner of the world where we can get away with our game, and that's why they're in New Orleans right now. Oh. This is giving me a little bit better respect for this film now. 
Nice. I like it when we bring guests. You never bring this kind of crap up. I brought him. Yeah. You asked. Like we asked. Uh, I'm, I'm really I'm very happy sure. you're here, but I'm fairly certain I set all those up. Mm. You know what? Whatever. I can check the text. I'm pretty sure it's just me and LBJ. Oh, that's right, because you don't communicate with me, <laughs> neither of you, so you can both go to hell for the fourth time right now. <laughs> all right. So he just so kind of gives up. Yeah, Robert like, uh, kind of puts the arms up and gets blown away he, dead in the middle of the street. He grabs somebody who tells him that he doesn't have any change. Yeah. Do you know who that guy is? That could be another pop quiz. I, already, I know who it is. I don't know who it is. He wouldn't so. know. Oh. It's Ted Raimi. Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi's brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Who shows up in basically every Sam Raimi movie. Yep. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always got that same just like very yep. thin face. Yep. <laughs> it always looks like Ted Raimi. Yep. It is at this point in the film that shit goes crazy. It's true. Things start to go intense. Randall with the one ear wants to flee the city. Von Cleef is there waiting for him. Well, Fushan also says this is our last hunt because he does. Yeah, because it got botched and whatever. Because it got botched and, 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 and the other looking for him. Yeah, and there's the other, you know, yeah. And so, yeah, Randall gets in his car to, to, to get the hell out of town. Von Cleef's waiting for him, blows his brains out inside the car. His face, his entire head would have been gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was because it was like shotgun. Yeah, it was right to that. Yeah. It's interesting that it was like to the it was like to the cheek. I guess is the way he was holding it, and then the front end of the windshield gets blown out Uh somehow. Yeah, it was intense. And then um, Chance and the detective, who is bummed out that Roper, his buddy, was killed. (laughs) Yeah. And and Nat want to go to Randall for some reason. For yeah, I don't know what they (laughs) were. That love scene would have been helpful. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what answers they were around. looking. Oh, my dad's dead, but I'm still going to help this drifter who wants to get money so he can go work on his ship. Yeah, it didn't make sense. But they go there, and they realize, oh, we're late. He's dead. And then, like, they all, like, the Jeep rolls down the street, mm-hmm. and they all the motorcycles. start. Oh, yeah. They all start shooting at the three of them. The poor detective <laughs> gets shot oh, yeah. several times, tries to fight it out. She does not make it. Nat's crying. Jean-Claude's like, she's dead. Hop on. We got to leave her. Yeah, let's go. GTFO. That's exactly right. And so they start. And then the chase ensues. (laughs) The chase ensues. And it's the way the entire movie, like, (sighs) as someone who played my own version of Hard Target before watching this movie, I was always annoyed, like, that we're going to give you a five-minute head start, but immediately the motorcycles take off after him. So they know where this guy is the entire time. What's the point of the quote-unquote hunt if you know where he is? Yes. So that's why the second half of the movie is so much better. It's because they don't know where Jean-Claude is half the time. Now, before Jean-Claude gets this motorcycle, do you remember how he gets the motorcycle? Yes. <laughs> All right. What I'm does gonna, he do? Well, even if I hadn't seen this movie and you're <laughs> like, he gets a motorcycle, how do you think? Uh, I'm going to guess he roundhouse kicks a guy <laughs> off of one. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> this motorcycle is going like, oh, 30, 40 miles an hour down the road. He perfectly times because we're in slow motion. Right. This roundhouse <laughs> kick that clearly takes that guy off that bike. Bike is left undamaged. She's dead. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And off they ride. They're on the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> they're taking. So uh, yeah, I, I remember, I I remember at this point this in the movie, like they're 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 chasing him. They're in like three different SUVs chasing after him, and they're all shooting at him, and nothing hits. It's nothing constantly hits. like five feet to either side of him. You see all these things sparking up. Oh yeah, it's James Bond makes, style. Nothing hits. Right. It makes you wonder if the name name of the movie should have been Hard Target or just Bad Aim. Yeah. Because, oh, totally. <laughs> and then somehow. 
like he, as they're as they're riding, uh, John Claude's uh, gas tank gets shot and doesn't blow up. Then no, and it gets shot. He doesn't get hit. You're right. Like there's no. Th- the There's, bullet would have probably gone out the other side. Right. I mean, gas tanks aren't that thick. Right. Especially on, on the little, you know, yeah. crotch rocket he's riding around on. Oh, yeah. It was like a dirt bike. Yeah. Yeah. But he pulls up to this the, this bridge that's in construction, <laughs> yeah. tell, basically bumps Nat off the back. She's standing here like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then he <laughs> sees the gas <laughs> and just... Surf the One bike. of the most badass <laughs> scenes in the movie. <laughs> just one of the surfs. most bad action scenes in an action movie right? in general. Because he's fucking... He, he is surfing the motorcycle while for shooting. several while shooting. seconds while shooting at this car. And is another roundhouse kick that he takes off of it? I no, can't remember. No, so he's standing on it, and it collides, and he jumps <laughs> right. and rolls over it, and then yeah. turns around and shoots the gas yeah. tank, which blows up. Uh, undamaged that he just went 40 miles an hour on a motorcycle, jumped over a car, hit the ground. He rolled. And is fine. <laughs> oh, he rolled. Oh, all right. He lands on his feet and then rolls. <laughs> all right, he's fine. But the other thing is, is why would he waste the time sh- trying to <laughs> aim at this, this very small gas tank when he's already clearly killed everybody in the car? Oh, yeah. They're all dead. <laughs> yeah. They show multiple hits on all the, all three of the guys in the car. Because it's John for Woo, <laughs> and we needed another standoff between two things, Because, right? yeah, it's not a John Woo movie unless something blows up in every yeah. scene. That's exactly right. I'm yeah. not Look, I'm not mad that it happened. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but if we're going to nitpick so many other things in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So they they jump off the freeway, land on a, a rail car, mm-hmm. and and they see Sean goes escape. to take a shot with his one, his little one his, You barrel. know what that is? That's a... Uh, it's a... It's like a hunting rifle yeah. that he sawed off you and can, made into a pistol. Yeah. And you and, can like change the barrel for different calibers and all that. It's a pretty sweet gun. It oh, is yeah, a totally. sweet gun. He realizes he needs backup. I love that aiming stance that he has with the one knee up and then like the hand. <laughs> just, like, uh-huh. the, that's so cool. Like he's taking a pool shot. It's uh-huh. it's a pretty menacing weapon for that. Like he, he plays is. that role really oh, well. Oh, it's absolutely yeah. a menacing weapon. The only actually, did you guys know the only acting direction he was given for the movie is, was to imagine what somebody who constantly takes advantage of everybody else is. That's the only direction he was given for the entire movie, and he's like, no, John Woo just never said no to anything after that. That's awesome. <laughs> that is sweet. He's great. Like, they're... Lance Hendrickson is great in this. He is really good. Yeah, no. I, I don't disagree. He he calls up Duck Dynasty. <laughs> you know, there's these four guys in their military gear, hats, the whole nine yards. They're in the bayou, and they're like, all right, manhunt on. We need to get, you yeah. know, Chance and Nat. Get them dead. They start roaming around. What's really cool is Fushan gets really excited. To the, like, you'd think he'd be pissed, like, oh, this this guy got away from me or whatever. Uh, but he gets really excited, like, we're going to have a real hunt now. Oh, this yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, because... hot shot. Well, he's like, you know, this, is a, this guy's a true challenge. You know, he's yeah. going to be tough. So one of the guys, one of the hunters, is played by Sven Oli Thorson. Okay. Sven Oli Thorson has collaborated with... James Jacks before in one other movie. Can you name the other movie? I can't. You don't know LaFour's? I knew you would know. 460 collars, all persecuted. I hear he's even got two kills. That bastard run faster than Walt Lanigan's dog. It's from Mallrats. <laughs> is that Mallrats? It, it is Mallrats. Yeah. I have a second Sven Oli Thorson pop quiz. Okay. He has been credited as Schwarzenegger's most frequent collaborator as of 2006. 
How many Schwarzenegger movies has Sven Oli Thorson been in with Schwarzenegger? A dozen. I'm going to, uh, I'll say uh, 16. 15. 12 as an actor, 3 as a stuntman or trainer. You went over, though, so I won. It's true. Sweet. All right. So there you go. There's my Sven Oli Thorson facts for the fact of the day. The, that uh, that was also going to be my pop quiz was uh, Sven Oli Thorson. Who was that? Who else? What other? Nice. Yeah. I haven't See seen Mallrats in a long time. <laughs> so good work. Good work. All right. They're, they're roaming around the bayou. Mm-hmm. Nat takes a break next to this tree. Oh, yeah. And out comes this rattlesnake. Well, he says, do you do you trust me? There's this moment. <laughs> she thinks she's about to get kissed. <laughs> Or something else, right? <laughs> I don't know. Or and roundhouse kick. And the way she's looking at him. <laughs> yep. And then he just reaches out and grabs this this snake, this rattlesnake. Yeah, he does. And just gives him a light little tap, like just shut up, snake. Yeah. And then punches him right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> punches the snake <laughs> in the face and then bites, bites off the rattle. <laughs> so that way the uh, so that way the bad guys won't hear that it's there. Yeah, exactly. This is this is a foolproof <laughs> plan, obviously. And then he's gonna somehow he also plant la- the snake a, a trip trap that's going to wake up the snake later. Right? Like somehow the snake's going to sit there and wait for the Duck Dynasty to show up and as soon as the guy trips, boom! Snake right in the Gets face. him right in the cheek. Right in the face. They shoot the snake with the shotgun, blows its head off, and then he's dead. The woods that they're in there reminded me so much of Metal Gear Solid 3. Mm-hmm. Like it looked exactly like that terrain. Yep. <sighs> Alright. The first Duck Dynasty guy is dead. They yep. continue on their joys voyage. And who comes to help out our dear friend? Uncle Duvet. Uncle Duvet. I'm Wilford Brimley. Yeah, they, they mentioned or they mentioned previously swamp. as Van Cleef has the file on uh, Chance Boudreau that he uh you know he was grazed in the in the bayou by his uncle. <laughs> and so that's that's who we get to see. Who's making his own moonshine, he's loving it, and then he hears the the whistle. That's right. When I <laughs> When I'm not shooting myself with insulin because I got the diabetes, I'm making myself some moonshine. He's famous for saying diabetes. Diabetes. There you go. There we go. Wilford Brimley. We got it. We got it. (laughs) Wilford Brimley's in this movie, folks, if you guys didn't know. And he's got diabetes. Listen. And a really, he looks like Mario fell on hard times. (laughs) He really does. (laughs) He's got the blue overalls, the red shirt. It looks like he gets his ass stuck in a pipe, without a doubt. Absolutely. He does look rough. When are we ever going to have a chance to mention him again? He's he's been in no other action movie, has he? That could be a hell of a pop quiz right there. I mean, he's dead, right? Wilford that's, a, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I'm going to assume the diabetes has gotten him at this point. No, we keep going. I'll, I'll so, find out. All right. find out. Please find out. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. You, you got Chance that, that wants to break away. Now he's he wa- still kicking. Are you kidding me? September 27th, 1934. No, no uh, death date yet. He's in Cocoon, The Thing, The Firm. Oh, he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So how old is he if he was born 37? 34. 34. He'd be 83? Almost. Yeah. Yeah. 83 uh, next week. Damn. He seems older than that. He sure... He looks 83 in this movie. Looks like he had too many bowls of spaghetti because he's Mario. <laughs> and <laughs> Luigi is Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> yeah, Walker, Texas Ranger <laughs> for one episode. 
No, he's in Walker all the time. It says one episode. That's not right. He's 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 in like every single Walker. Maybe Texas I, Ranger I never episode. watched Walker. I'm, I'm really sorry. sorry. You have we not got, we gotten got Walker, to enjoy. Careful. We got Walker super Walker. fan here. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. It was in the the Fugitive episode I brought up. I got to watch it every Saturday night with my grandparents. I believe you. Yeah, dude. So. Wilford Brimley's in. It looks like quite a few action flicks. What is, is he? In? Sweet. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I, do, I guess I can't say for sure, but <laughs> when 10, I, ten to midnight with uh, Charles Bronson. High Road to China, The Thing. Yeah, well, I've like, The Thing. When I'm not handling my diabetes, I'm doing action movies. Yeah, it looks like it's mostly like kind of Western action, which probably is why yeah. I got recruited. Makes sense. I got to check my blood often to make sure. And a minor role in the original True Grit. Look at that. Yeah. Wilson Brimley. Thanks, IMDb. Diabetic action star. Most recently played Pastor, and I believe in 2017. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. Amazing. We got to get to the end of this movie. Yeah, so <laughs> we don't have to. We well, can just keep talking that's about That's true. But, but we are getting down to the end here. Yeah. So uh, they, uh, Chance takes a horse, goes to this factory yeah, warehouse they the, the where Marty they've got Gras a bunch of Marty. They store, yeah, they store the Mardi they call Gras it the Marty, stuff. Mardi Gras graveyard. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And um, the the Duck Dynasty guys, they show up at Brimley's house. They blow it up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they legit blow Steven, the thing up. Played by Sven Olsen, just uh, yeah. the one who goes in. Yeah. Then we get, then we get to see Brimley on the horse. Then Brimley straight up blows his own house up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Um, you know, he's got it all rigged and screams for some reason before he does it. Like, uh, why wouldn't you? He should have been shooting diabetic like insulin things at the guys. That's what just I would have been needles, doing. Just yeah, just, needles, just chucking needles. I mean, because that's the other thing with Brimley. Everyone else has these semi-automatic weapons, and what does he have with him? It's a bow and arrow. arrow. A bow and arrow. He's the only one without a gun. He had a shotgun when Chance came on the scene, but then he's like, nah. <laughs> that's not how I'll I roll. I'll give you the shotgun. Yeah, that's not how I roll. So eventually they, they all yeah. meet up at the... At the, at why the warehouse. They, why did this... So Wilfred Brimley sends Nat to go get the sheriff, and then she doesn't. That's and that, that's another thing. She that doesn't. Got cut. I thought she did. No, no, they never do. Oh. No, she, she, like, decides, she like takes off, and then like yeah. decides like I can't. And th- that was another scene that was cut. Like there's a scene where she's supposed to be like, oh no, I can't leave him, and that's why Wilfred Brimley kind of looks confused after she takes off so quick. Oh, oh I, I forgot the best line. So after the house gets blown up. And another one of the Duck Dynasty guys dies. The, the villain is like getting super pissed that all these people keep dying. And he's like, they're all fucking brain dead. He's like, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta take action to our own hands. And that's when he's like, all right. Yeah, he tells Van Cleef, he's like, get in the chopper and, and, then, just, <laughs> yeah. and then chase him over here. And Van Cleef's like, I can kill him from the chopper. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah. It's just funny how he's like, no, man, I'm not going to have it. I want this hunt. It's just amazing. He's just like, they're all fucking brain dead. Like, this this hunt is going nowhere. They go in. uh, Uh, Oh, that's another uh, cool line is when Van Damme leaves, he tells Nat, he's like, without you, I'm hunting them, which I thought was a really cool, like a Rambo first blood kind of line. Absolutely. Yeah. The doves are everywhere. Yep. They, they slow motions everywhere. Slow motion is so everywhere. Slow motion. They come into this factory, mill, warehouse, whatever you want to call it, and you know it's, it's uh, twenty it's, to one at this point. Yeah, I mean it's it's our ultimate Mexican showdown. Time for Jean Claude to kill and beat the shit out of every single one of these guys. That, you know that whole this whole, the whole scene is classic John Woo. Like oh, one yeah. guy against like in the Killers mm-hmm. or in the Killer, you know it's the it's the the church scene yep. where the at the end yeah it's the same thing. It's basically the same the same 
closing to this film. It's yeah. one guy, well, two guys, I guess if you count Wilford Brimley, <laughs> you know, destroying all these guys that are hunting them. Yep. Brimley gets stabbed. Man, that was sad. I thought he was going to die, but he made it. Brimley, I mean. Thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, he's got his moonshine uh, flask, flask that, yep. that saves him from, from the stabbing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, Chance ends up going after Von Cleef. That's a pretty good fight. Near yeah, the end where there. they're back to back in the other room just yeah. yelling at each other. Yeah, and then, then he has a hell of a move, right? He, he jumps through the window. He slides underneath the table and then boom just uh, he shoots him he right? straight right? up at a 90 degree angle but oh, still yeah. somehow gets him dead on in the chest yes. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right like just and then he falls out. over he stops him with his foot grabs a grenade and then yep. kicks him off of himself and that grenade comes back it sure does because he's fighting uh, Fushan at the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're going at it. Fushan's got the upper hand because he tells him to drop the shotgun. Because yep. he's got Nat. Yeah. Yeah. So he forces Chance to to drop his weapon, yep. which he does. Does the yeah. ultimate badass movie. He hold, he's got the woman held hostage who goes, load me. <laughs> it makes the woman load his gun. And somehow, because it seems like they're a good 20, 30 feet away from each other, how does Jean-Claude feel like he's going to save the day? With just slow-mo. <laughs> slow-mo to just run directly at him. Yep. And he's going to somehow beat him to loading the weapon. To to stop this. Well, he doesn't. He he loads the weapon and he takes a shot, but he misses. No, he hits him in the leg. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He hits. Yeah, he hits Jean Claude in the leg. Um, and but he's still able to execute a perfect kick right to the guy's chest. Yep. Oh yeah, thirty feet away can yep. somehow do that. And then drops the uh, grenade down his pants. Down the pants. Oh yeah, punches him a bunch, pulls the pants, and just oh, drops yeah. it in. And then it looks like he's going to be able to to actually stop Why the grenade. Why would he just throw the grenade? I don't know. He tries to, like defuse it, realizes he he accidentally set it off. Oh yeah, he defuses it. And he starts like, laughing, and a yeah. spark hits. It goes, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, it's literally like uh oh, boom. Done. No, we did skip over the scene where he gets thrown, where Jean Claude Van Damme gets thrown a gun, holds it upside down, and just oh, yes. Starts. That I've never seen cool. that in a movie. <laughs> that, that is pretty, pretty sweet. That is pretty sweet. Uses his for his uh, pointer finger to just like like it's a machine gun but then we can't forget chance's great line too when he drops the grenade in the pants hunting season is over <laughs> <laughs> for sure and then that's that's it that's yeah really, they find yeah, out that brimley's not dead <laughs> brimley's not dead he Uncle lives Duvet, and then yep. they just walk out to born on the bayou <laughs> that's exactly right which is a classic ccr song so i'm totally cool with that movie over we're done it's such a weird ending like it's just yeah it's just done. Well, yeah. there's there's no police, so yeah. what what do you do next at that point, right? The one cop is now dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only person that knew what was kind of going on here is dead too. So they're just gonna ride on their horses in the sunset, and they're done with CCR. Finito. Yeah, it's it's, it's such a weird ending. Yeah, it is. But that's kind of John Woo too, You're man. You're right. That's true. Because yeah. John Woo doesn't know how to end his movies. The, uh, no. Unless unless you're fine with just saying, all right, the the, the big scene's done. Let's There's just call the day. Say. Yeah, we're yeah. all we're all set here. Yeah, that uh, horse chase toward, at the end of the movie was originally supposed to be a boat chase, but again, like you mentioned before, oh, like on a like on a bayou boat. Yeah, yeah, that would have been cool. Like with the little maybe with the fan, you know, yeah. the fan boat that would have been cool. But like you said, that was changed because you know Jean Claude was able to do different things. Yeah, <laughs> no, that makes sense. But yeah. there was a hard target too. Really? Yep. Was released uh, a couple. Of years, I think it was 2014. Okay. Uh, 
not really related except in the sense that it's like yeah. uh you know people hunting hunting people and as an homage to that original it ends with a boat chase that's kind of cool yeah have, I you, can't, have you seen it i have not i own it uh, but I've not. Well, was, so I worked. I worked at Family Video for about four years. So we would get digital copies of movies, and oh. I would just take them because they. It was either like for a long time they would just throw them out or like give them away when people bought movies. Okay. But I would just take them. So I've got almost seven hundred movies on my Voodoo account. Just that I've not. I've maybe seen a hundred of them. Oh, that, <laughs> that that Voodoo account that you could have shared with me to watch the I, movie. Hey, and look, you, I and offered you, you. Someone else told me that you had it under control already. Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> so I do have I do have hard target too, but it was I think it was uh it was a Scott something was the was the main actor in it. Nobody returned, up. right? Scott Adkins. No, nobody returned. Yeah. Retired mixed art martial artist West the Jailer Baylor, <laughs> played by <laughs> Scott Adkins. Baylor. Can't refuse a million dollar purse when he's offered for one final bout in Myanmar. But he, when he arrives for the fight, he learns he's been tricked into becoming the target of a human hunt, carrying only a ruby filled money belt for the last person standing. West must outsmart the heavily armed group that is paid to kill him. As he fights for his life in the treacherous jungle terrain, the hunters become the hunted. Nice. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. That might have to be uh, another episode there, LPJ. Maybe. All right, are we ready to rate this? Absolutely. Good. All right. We always ask our guests first if they want to give their rating or if they want to pass yep. it off. That's fine, too. You have too. the option. So, um, five machine guns. Yeah, right? out of five machine guns. You can do I, halves. Yeah. I would have to give this a 2.5. Okay. It, I didn't. Uh, I remember liking it so much more when I was younger, but as I went back to watch it this time, I kind of, like your initial when we first started, like, mm. this is pretty, like, and a lot of my notes are like, why is there so much slow motion? <laughs> These shots are so, like, zooming in on Jean-Claude's eyes when people are talking or... The random cutaways to other homeless people at the beginning, it just felt like flashbacks mm -hmm. somehow. It's just so just for the just for the way the movie was put together, I it really I couldn't give it any more than a 2.5. It passes like it's it's oh, well, I guess it's, yeah, it's half. Yeah, it's, it's halfway there. It's 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 definitely worth a watch. Okay. Um, but yeah, with with all the just the awkward shooting and everything, I just yeah, I can't give it more than a 2.5. I do enjoy it. I think it's definitely something that needs to be watched, but. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. My next or yeah, you? go no, do it. All right, I am gonna actually. I'm gonna go slightly higher. I'm, I'm gonna give really. This a, I am. I thought I was gonna be the middle road. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> um, you're right. The beginning was so boring, and it was like, why? Like, like, is this an action movie or what? Like, I see Jean Claude Van Damme. Why is he not doing anything yet? And like, I was just waiting for things to happen. But once it gets rolling. Man, are you in for a ride? And I thoroughly enjoyed the last half of this movie, so I will just give it one notch above the 2.5. I'm going to give it a 3. Because I would also say, like, I think the premise of the movie is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, even though it didn't maybe get executed great, um, I did find, you know, I, I liked it. I liked the idea of it. And, and LPJ mentioned it, too. Like, the, the, the villains are awesome. Mm -hmm. You've got some great villains. Jean-Claude Van Damme is awesome in this movie. Um, you're right, though, um, Xander. Those slow motions did get really, really intense, and they were a bit much. But I, I wouldn't say it totally like took out the enjoyment from the film. It didn't. So I'm going to give it a three. 
I am in the Sphinx camp on this. I too, I'm going to give it a three. Um, I didn't hate Yancey Butler as much as I thought I would in this movie. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme was better in this movie than he is in most of his films. Mm-hmm. Normally his acting is complete garbage, but he was actually pretty decent in this. Uh, he didn't have too many lines in the movie. He really <laughs> he he did didn't, <clears throat> but, you know, he was adequate. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, Lance Henriksen, Arnold Vosloo were great. Um, and it, what's interesting is seeing a John Woo, film, John Woo movie now after watching A Fistful of Dollars, mm-hmm. I really see the Western influence even more now. Oh, yeah. Like, even in the, sh- even in the shot selection that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, I can appreciate that a little bit more. I mean, it's a solid three for me. Definitely watch it. It's entertaining. Um, but, you know. Just know it has to get there. Yeah, it's going to take time. Yeah. You're right. It, it's the the first little bit is not great, and then it's like it's like when we watched Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. This just kept ramping up and ramping up and ramping Absolutely. up. Absolutely. So yeah, overall, I would say a three. Cool. All right. So uh, being being the guest here and, and having a podcast of your own, yeah, mm-hmm. being a part of the Gamesville Media team here. Yeah. What, what do you want to plug? This is we're this section is for you to plug whatever the hell you want. I only want to talk about Legend of Retro and how it. great it is. That's it. <laughs> Nailed <laughs> it. That's great. Listen to it. No, so uh, if you do like retro gaming, you love uh, kind of the format of the show to, to learn about a specific thing, learn some trivia behind it and what it means to people, and uh, just the video game side of this this podcast. It's, I think that's why I love this podcast so much is it has that great formula. And I'm not trying to say, like, you guys ripped it off. Nothing like, no, I, I joke I and I kid say, about that. No, but I, was I love that. Say, I, I was going to say, truth be told... I mean, you guys did kind of give us a, a solid blueprint. There you go. Sure. But did. I mean, when I'm when I watch movies nowadays, it's I, I almost always have IMDb pulled up on the side so I can learn all this trivia. So the fact that you guys are doing the homework for me in a lot of these movies, I absolutely love. And I like to think that's what we do with Legend of Retro is kind of tell you the same thing. Uh, we focus on the music, uh, which Craig and I are just gigantic nerds about. So if you have if the same kind of love for action movies as, if, as you do for retro games, give Le- Legend of Retro a shot. Uh, unfortunately, you have to listen to Chops, but Craig and I are pretty good. <laughs> um, other than that, you know, of course, GameZilla podcast, uh, Noobs and Dragons, which I'm so bummed I, I can't be part of. Damn my responsibilities. I, know. I feel sad about it that you're not part of it. I had a character made up and everything. I heard and then, Craig was telling about it. Yeah, it's just a, it's a sad day. But. Yeah. Maybe they need to do a second one. It should be the three of us. They are eventually. I feel like that could be highly entertaining. You'll have to... I'm not going to talk about it here, but... They've got plans. Yeah, well, there's always plans. Yeah, yeah. you can't stuff. stop. I, Craig and I have been playing D and D for the past 15 years. There's no shortage of stories in that guy's head. I was oh, gonna say, God. yeah. I mean, Craig's told me that you guys have been doing it for a long time. So yeah. awesome. he, and I, he and I will chat at work, like over our work. I am about stuff, and it's. Uh, will you talk about too how you make Sphinx pay for movies that you both have? So <laughs> <laughs> if you do want to watch Hard Target too, you know what? It is available to pay for rent on Amazon. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed your one and only time on our show. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm just teasing. When Nonetheless, um, we do hope that you have been enjoying everything that we're doing. And you know what? If you want to take things one step further, we would love for you to go on to Patreon. And if you go to patreon.com slash Media and you want to throw a couple dollars a month at us, that would be 
Very, very generous of you. It'll help keep the lights on here. It'll help keep things going. You know, we do have perks for you. Make that stranglehold episode happen. There we go, right? Like Legend of Retro, Last Action Podcast. There's a lot of great things we could actually do together on that could be maybe some of those Patreon perks or whatnot. So we would love for you guys to get involved. Help us out that way. Helps out everybody and all the podcasts and, and all the blogs that we do and the video blogs and um, the the streamers that we got and Craig's long plays and all that stuff. I'm just trying to do the business for our listeners here, right, LPJ? Don't give me that finger. I'm done now. I'll make sure that the money doesn't go to LPJ. It only goes to me. Nonetheless, Xander... Thank you so much for being on today. Thank thank you you for for bringing this great movie. But this last action podcast has been terminated. But you want to say it with me? Sure. We'll We'll be be back. back.